Well, hey there, my name is Eric Gray, and I'm the Young Adult and Family Minister here at the Regency Church of Christ. I just want to take a minute and say thank you for checking out this message. If you're ever in the Mobile area, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. And to find out more information about Regency or to listen to other messages from this series, we'd love for you to check out our website at regencycc.org. And we're praying that this message will help you grow closer to Jesus. How's your quarantine going so far? Not sure if you've been able to do some different things at this time at home. Maybe you've had goals and dreams of cleaning your house or planting a garden, maybe learning a new skill. Unless you have children and then you're just trying to manage and survive this time. Maybe spending some time at home with your family has been meaningful, uh, has been enjoyable time. Hope that it has. I know this is a difficult time for many people. It's a challenging time, but hopefully you're able to make the best of it. For our family, one of the things that we've been doing during this time is at night when we put the younger two kids to bed, my older son, Ethan, and my wife, Crystal, and my mother-in-law, Nancy. Hey, Nancy, hope that you're watching today. The four of us will play board games at night. We love playing board games. And over the past couple of weeks, though, I don't think that I've won a single board game. It's really been my mother-in-law, Nancy. She's won most of them, but Ethan and Crystal have won some as well. And a couple of days ago, Ethan, after me losing yet another board game, he leans over to me, and I don't know if he was trying to antagonize me or encourage me, but he said to me, Dad, I don't think you've won any games yet. And I was like, you're right, I, I haven't won. And he said, I think you really need a win. I don't know if you can relate to that. Uh, he's right. I, I do need a win. Maybe you need a win. You need a victory. I think we could all use a win or a victory or some good news right now. Well, I have good news to share with you this morning about a win, about a victory uh, that we all can share in together. As we begin this morning, let me start with some common ground, something that I think that we can I think all agree on something that you and I know very well, and it's this. Life is hard and challenging. You don't have to believe anything about Jesus or God or Scripture to agree with this part of the sermon. Life is hard. Life is difficult. Life is challenging. Things don't just always go according to plan. And it's not just big, big things. Sometimes it's the small things that add up. And it's hard to admit that life is hard. It's hard to acknowledge that life is challenging and difficult, especially in a world where you get online and even in the middle of a quarantine, you get online and it looks like everybody else has life completely figured out and it comes so easy to them. You've probably heard the, the phrase, uh, misery loves company. Well, there is this app that was released a couple years ago for a dating site and it's called Date Miserable People. What a name. Uh, and the creator of this website, this, I, this app, he said that he created the site so that people could engage in online dating while keeping it real and honest without feeling intimidated. And he said that his online platform allows people to engage in online dating honestly and within the realities of their daily lives. He goes on and he says, the majority of the sites, everybody's perfect. Everybody's got a beautiful picture. Everybody loves to travel. Everybody loves to hang out with their friends, but that's not really who they are. I think what he's getting at is something that many people believe. Many believe that keeping it real means keeping it miserable, as though one can't be honest about the struggles in their life without also being dejected and miserable. But isn't that the difference that faith in Jesus is supposed to make? Because of Jesus, Christians can 
keep it real about the struggles of life without keeping it miserable. We can face the moment of difficulty that we're facing in light of eternity. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. There is a difference between suffering and suffering without hope. There's some stuff that we go through and we know that we can go through it and we'll get through it on the other side. But it is immensely and it is immensely more difficult and challenging to suffer without hope. Nothing is more debilitating or discouraging or destructive or demoralizing than hopelessness. Hope and the way that we use that word, there's different ways that we can use it. Sometimes we use the word hope in a very casual way. Like, I hope that we have pizza for dinner tonight. Or, I hope that my sports team wins. Man, wouldn't it be great to see sports teams playing again? I hope that I get a raise or that my job gets better. I hope that this person likes me. And we use this word hope almost like we're wishing for something. But hope is not baseless wishing. Hope is not, it would be nice if this happened, preference. The hope that I want us to think about and talk about this morning is the hope that is stronger and deeper and more permanent and meaningful and lasting and powerful than that. What I'm talking about is true hope. Confidence that what will be is better than what has been. That's what's so powerful to the person that wields this type of hope. It's the belief that the future is better than the present, that it's brighter than the past. And when we carry hope, we are confident in this because we have reason to believe it. We have reason to expect what's coming next. What hope is not, hope is not a magic lamp or a magic pill that makes all of the bad stuff go away. Hope is actually a little bit more like a life jacket. It doesn't make the water go away. It doesn't even keep us out of the water, but it keeps us from drowning in the water. That's what hope does. That's what makes it so powerful. And the best version of hope, the hope that we can carry as we're walking through life, wherever we are and whatever situation that we find ourselves in, allows us to be confident and to have an expectation that what will be is better than what has been as we look ahead to what's next. So what in the world enables us to have this type of hope in our life? What allows us to walk around it with this hope right now in the time that we're living in right now? We are able to have this hope, not because we have a certain state of mind or because we have a certain belief system or because we we watched a YouTube video or heard a motivational talk that gave us this hope. What enables this hope in me is the same thing that has enabled this hope in people for generations, and it is an event. And this hope that we get from this event is an event that people across the world are celebrating and focusing on today. It's an event of one thing that happened at one time in one place, and it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting in verse 1, he says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, more of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. What I want us to think about for just a minute is what Paul says, especially in verse 3. He says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. What is this most important thing that Paul is talking about? Well, it is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus has not risen from the dead, none of this makes any sense. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything for the person who has confidence in it. We find in Luke chapter 24, when the women discover the empty tomb and they rush back to be with the other disciples and to tell them what's happened, there's a lot of uncertainty. People are unsure if what they're telling them is actually true. And so some of them go to see for themselves. And we see that later that Jesus appears to them in person. He shares a meal with them. Jesus is seen in different groups over the course of the next six weeks. Over 500 people witness Jesus alive. And to us, living today in 2020 in the United States of America, we see ourselves as so sophisticated and smart and wise and enlightened. And we might look back and think, man, those poor people back then, they would have believed anything. They're so gullible, so uneducated. And to us, the resurrection might sound crazy. But here's the thing. It kind of sounded crazy to the people at that time as well. It's clear in the gospel that this was not something that they were expecting. It's not something that they even had an easy time believing at first. I mean, Jesus's closest followers are the ones that we see looking at the evidence, seeing the risen Lord, and they're thinking to themselves, I'm not really sure about this. And yet, eventually, they become abundantly convinced that this, in fact, had happened. In the end, hundreds of people not only interact with the risen Jesus, but later under persecution, die as martyrs, unwilling to recount the claim that Jesus was who he said he was, that he lived after he died. And you know what this means for us? Jesus's resurrection, it means a lot of things, but there's one thing in particular that I want to focus on today. Jesus's resurrection gives us something that we so desperately need, and that is a hope of a resurrection of our own. This is something that scripture points to repeatedly, but one place in particular is in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, where Paul writes this. He says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. There is a resurrection for the followers of Jesus coming in which they will be raised to new life in spite of the fact that they've died. This, this is incredible. This is amazing. This is victory. This is good news. This is the win that I think many of us might be looking for. But this idea of being raised to new life, what does that mean? Raised to what? To what kind of life? Where? Well, John sees a vision given to him by God that previews what's to come. And he writes about it in Revelation chapter 21, verse 3. And he says this, he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And these next words, if this is all that I knew about heaven, it would be enough for me. John says this in verse four, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. I have a question for you, and it's this. Have you ever cried? 
Of course you have, right? Even if we don't want to admit it, all of us have cried at some point. But have you ever been crying and had someone come up to you and wipe a tear from your eye? Not, not just say it's going to be okay from six feet away. Not just come up and give you a hug. Not give you reasons that it's okay to stop crying. But have you ever had someone come up to you as you've been crying and reach across the distance between the two of you and with their thumb or their finger, wipe a tear from your face? I think probably very few of us have had something like this happen, or at least very infrequently. Why? This is an extremely intimate interaction. And that is what John says the voice tells him is coming. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And then he goes on and he says, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. For the old order of things has passed away. I I like this phrase because it tells me that the pain that I feel The pain that the people around me experience, even at a time like this in the middle of a global pandemic, the heartbreak that we experience, the loss that we experience, all of the pain, all of the tears from living in a broken world, all of it is a part of something called the old order of things. And that means that when I experience all of those things, and when I experience the difficulty that happens because life is hard, I can walk into all of that, able to look at all of that suffering, all of that difficulty, and look at it right in the eye and say, I know that this is a part of the old order of things, and it will not be forever. We can look at the situation that we face right now, and we can have hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. And we can know that all of these things that we're experiencing right now, these will not last forever. We can know and have confidence and hope that what, what is coming is better than what has been. What will be is brighter than what is. And so that is what gives us strength in a world that is broken. It's what gives us strength in the middle of a pandemic. Strength through multiple times and feelings of defeat and loss. It's hope. And it's made possible only by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His death frees me from sin. And his resurrection frees me from death. And together, the two giant enemies of mankind, sin and death, they are wiped out by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There will come a time when both sin and death will be fully and finally gone. And I look forward to that time thanks to what I read in Scripture. Because Jesus rose from the dead, we can live with hope. And doesn't that change how you enter the world? Doesn't this hope that we have change what we're able to put up with and go through? Doesn't the hope that we have in the resurrection of Jesus change our attitude in the midst of suffering and going through hard times? There were these trips that we used to take at my last church that I worked at. Every summer in the middle of the hottest part of the summer, it always felt like, we took this trip called Elisha Summit. Now, I was not in charge of this trip. Uh, I helped with it. But we had a youth deacon who used to be in the military who planned this leadership trip were juniors and seniors in high school. And we'd had six weeks of classes you had to go to leading up to it. And every year it got more and more extreme. One year in particular, we did this multiple day canoe trip. And we'd canoe miles down this river, and then we'd camp out at night. We did this for maybe four or five days. And we knew at the end of this trip that there was something that we had to look forward to. We'd been eating 
uh, MREs and food that was not great all week long. But at the end of the trip, we were going to go to Chili's. And it sort of became this mantra for us on this trip. And, and the whole time it would rain and storm. And at night, I remember there was a couple of nights where it was just almost flooding our tent how much it was raining. But the thing that got us through it was knowing that when we finished and completed the trip, we were going to go to Chili's. We had this big meal waiting for us, and we were so excited for it, and it was awesome. And what we knew was coming got us through uh, what was happening right then. We could get through what we were experiencing in the moment because we knew what was coming next. And so looking back, I'm grateful that we kept going, even though maybe there were some moments we kind of wished that we had stopped. But the only reason we kept going was because we knew where we were going and because we knew what was waiting for us when we got there. We know that, especially at a time like this. What you expect determines what you can endure. So if you're expecting something great, you can endure something difficult and challenging and hard. And that's why, and that's how the resurrection changes our lives as followers of Jesus. It puts something on the horizon that we look to and can head towards. And we can say, you know, I'm, I'm headed there. And what will be is so much greater than what is and what has been. That's the hope that the resurrection of Jesus gives us. That's what the resurrection of Jesus does for us. And it's not just heaven then. It's the kingdom of God. It's the reign of God and all of the order and beauty of God breaking into our lives even right now. And my confidence is that yes, Christ enables resurrection, not just of my body at the end of my life, but he enables resurrection of a marriage. He enables resurrection of a friendship. He enables resurrection of a broken life, even in the middle of what we're going through right now. Jesus brings resurrection into our lives, and he enables us to go through difficult, challenging, hard things, wielding the powerful, sustaining weapon of hope. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57, Paul writes this. He says, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's our win. Maybe that's the win that you have been desperately needing these past few weeks. That's our victory. That's our victory that we've been needing so desperately at a time like this. And it's significant. Because Jesus rose from the dead, you and I can live with hope. Let's be thankful for the victory and the hope that's found in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus.